You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, November 9th, 2022. On today's episode of the show, we are going to gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Brad, what have you been doing recently, man? Uh, well, you know, the weather's getting colder. Uh, I'm getting older, and things are just bleak. <laughs> <laughs> what a great way to kick off the podcast! <laughs> no, no, no. I'm doing. I'm doing great. Uh, doing doing just fine. Um, yeah, nothing. Nothing really to complain about. Uh, I've been very busy uh, preparing something uh, that I'm doing for Slashroom for the first time, which is uh, the Slashroom Holiday Gift Guide. This isn't something that we have like consistently done uh, at Slashroom. We have like a cool stuff category that like we highlight when we see things every now and then, like Lego sets and action figures and collectibles and. All that jazz. Uh, we did do a gift guide last year uh, that was like a big undertaking. And th- this year uh, we're changing up like kind of like the format a little bit and, uh, you know, kind of expanding it and making it a little bit bit bigger. But uh, it's it's a very tedious process. Uh, but I'm mentioning it here so that people out there can hopefully get excited about it. We're going to have a bunch of stuff uh, geared towards uh, movie and TV nerds like all of you who are listening to this. So if you're looking for gifts uh, to buy for other people or things that you want to tell other people to buy for you, there's going to be a bunch of stuff in this gift guide. So make sure you pay attention to it. Uh, it'll be coming later this month. 
Oh yeah, I was gonna say like, do you have a an idea of when it's gonna come out? Because I'm I'm starting to like compile my uh, lists early of what I'm supposed to get people for Christmas and stuff like that. So um, yeah, at, do you at know? the very at the very latest, it will be it should be available the week of Thanksgiving. There's okay. a, there's, a, there's a slight chance it might be ready before that, but I don't want to get anybody's hopes up. Okay, cool. All right, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, combing through and looking for a bunch of cool stuff in there. Um, okay, Brad, what have you been watching? Let's just let's skip over reading, jump right into what we've been watching recently. Uh, so a while back, and I, I'm pretty sure I talked about it on this podcast. If I didn't talk about it on this podcast, I talked about it on on my podcast. Go flicks yourself. Eh, it's available. Um, but uh, I I watched some Albert Brooks movies that I hadn't uh, seen before, and I wanted to kind of get caught up because. Uh, I know what a respected comedic mind he was, and I, there were some glaring omissions of movies of his that I hadn't seen. And in a similar vein, uh, I decided to dive into uh, Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder's collaborations because uh, I hadn't seen a damn single one of them, and that is an absolute shame. Uh, and I was reminded of this because uh, I watched Blazing Saddles on Turner Classic Movies and talked about how Mel Brooks originally wanted Richard Pryor to uh, have the lead role in that movie, but it didn't work out. Uh, but they still you know, ended up having all these collaborations together. So I dove in and I started with uh, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, uh, which is uh, a, a comedy kind of caper uh, involving them where um, they are, they're not friends to begin with. They, they meet each other uh, and... One of them is blind and the other one is deaf and they both get caught up in this like uh, plot of uh, intrigue because they witness a murder um, and it's Gene Wilder's character is the one who saw everything. Richard Pryor's character is the one who heard everything. And so they both make like, I guess, one perfect witness, uh, but then <laughs> it gets it gets all very complicated. And so and like they end up on the run and uh, there's, there's a lot of great uh, physical comedy here and just the dynamic between uh, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor is is so good. Like, I mean, it, it can't be understated just how funny they are together. And, like, uh, one of the things I've always loved is Gene Wilder has this great way of uh, panicking and becoming irate. And, like, whenever he yells anything, uh, it's like like him and Nathan Lane. I, I just always crack up at it. And there's there's plenty of that uh, in this movie. So, yeah, if you, if you haven't seen uh, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, um, it's, uh, it's fantastic. You should definitely check it out. And then you continued the uh, the streak, as it were. Yeah. So, but I went backwards uh, because I uh, that's the one I started with. But I went back to the beginning, which was Silver Streak from 1976, and both of these movies uh, are directed by Arthur Arthur Hiller. Uh, and so this one is much different. It's um even though it's billed as a comedy, it's not anywhere near as laugh out loud funny uh, as See No Evil, Hear No Evil is. It honestly is played a little bit more straight as like uh, an action uh, sort of murder mystery that takes place on a train. It's it's kind of like a uh, a not stylized 1970s version of Bullet Train in a way. Hmm. Um, there's not there's not quite as expansive an ensemble of characters, but like it's it's a similar um, setting and, and and plot how how it all plays out. And what's even more interesting is that even though this is like uh, kind of seen as a two-hander between Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, Richard Pryor doesn't even show up until an hour into the movie. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm sitting here watching this. I'm like, where the fuck is Richard Pryor? <laughs> um, but it's, it's you know, it's uh, it's surprisingly sexy to 
Um, it's, you know, it's, I wish it was a little bit more funny that, cause that's what, what I was kind of expecting, but it's, it's very good for what it is. There's a really impressive, uh, action set piece involving the, the titular, uh, cross country train, um, the kind of which that you really just wouldn't see happen anymore. They do a lot of really cool practical stunts, um, and, and effects with this movie, which were, were really cool. And uh, honestly, some of the comedy doesn't even like really blossom until as it goes on, because there's, it kind of builds on how annoying certain things are, um, and uh, I don't necessarily want to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't seen it, just because it's a really fun thing where I, I started to enjoy it more as things went on because it just got more uh, frustrating for for Gene Wilder as a character. Mm. So uh, so yeah, so bo- both are, are very good. Um, I'm I'm excited to uh, to keep it going with. I think there's only there's two more I think collaborations between Richard Pryor and uh, and Gene Wilder, I believe. Okay, man. Yeah, that but, sounds yeah. like a, a very reasonable project for somebody to uh, undertake if they've Oh, I mean, I haven't seen I don't think I've seen any of those collaborations either. So just four movies. That's not too bad. Well, there you go. Yeah, you should uh, you should give it a shot. Um, I, and this is a side thing. I'm, I'm actually going to go and watch this too. When I was looking stuff up about this this movie just out of curiosity while I was watching it and afterwards stuff like that, I found out that Gene Wilder had a short lived sitcom in the mid 90s called Something Wilder, where he like it was like a kind of typical thing where he had a wife and two kids and they were just navigating life and whatnot. It only lasted 15 episodes, but now I kind of want to go watch it to see what that's all about. That seems like something that would be like completely buried, not on any streaming service. You'll yeah, never not, be able I, to find I it. Found, I found the episodes on YouTube. Then oh, they're, wow. okay. they're like, they're like poor VHS recording quality, but like, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going to go out of my way to watch it. <laughs> okay. Uh, what else have you been checking out? Uh, I also watched, uh, towards the end of, uh, Halloween season, I watched uh, Deadstream, which is a shutter original. And, uh, this one was a lot of fun, but I also found myself somewhat distracted because I was expecting something else the whole time. And I, I will explain. Um, so this movie, uh, is uh, kind of a, a satire in a way. It follows this guy who is a, a popular uh, YouTuber. He has his own show uh, where he does these like um, things that make him scared, basically. Like he, he takes on these uh, tasks and ventures to help him overcome his fears. Uh, but as they catch you up very quickly in the beginning, there was some kind of uh, controversy he got uh, caught up in. He lost sponsors. He lost fans. Uh, but now he's on like a comeback and uh, one of his new episodes is to live stream himself uh, spending the night in this house known as Death Manor. It's a purportedly haunted house where a bunch of people died. It's set up as if you're watching this dude's uh, Twitch stream. Um, and so the the guy that plays him, uh, Joseph Winter, is absolutely insufferable as he should be as this lead character. Like that is that is the idea. He's a very uh, annoying YouTube personality. Um, and so as, as it plays out, you know, uh, things start to happen in the house and he gets, you know, scared and everything like that. Um, but the the production quality of it makes it feel a little bit on the cheaper side. And as it goes on, you realize that it's, and uh, if, you, if you haven't looked into this at all, that it's supposed to be this kind of campy movie that emulates like a, like Evil Dead and whatnot. So the the effects aren't like super professional all the time. And it's, it's just a, a little bit. Uh, I guess schlocky, you could say. Hmm. But because of that, I kept thinking that this was something uh, fake that the character had set up to like make his stream more entertaining. 
because uh, that's kind of how how it feels in a way. And and based on the production quality, I was like, oh yeah, there's no way this can be real. Uh, but it is all meant to be real. It's just meant to be campy real, if that makes sense. Okay. So the so the entire time, I, what I was expecting was he set up sets up this fake stuff, and then all of a sudden, real shit starts happening. Uh, and that's not what happens. But now I think that would be a pretty good premise for a different movie if someone wants to make that movie. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, but it, it, it is a lot of fun. Like, as I was watching it, I wasn't sitting there, like, you know, judging it or anything like that. If anything, I was just thinking about, okay, so when are they going to make this turn? Because if you if you understand that it's like a campy movie that's meant to be a little bit of a lower budget kind of project like this, then I think you'll have a lot of fun with it. Um, but, but yeah, it's, I, so I ended up enjoying it, even though it was not exactly what I expected. So Brad, I don't necessarily con- uh, consider you like a, a full blown horror guy, but do, do you have a shutter subscription or do you, did you get this through a screener or what? I decided to get shutter this month, uh, because it is Halloween and there was some stuff I wanted to catch up on and like okay. shutter, shutter was just an easy way to do it. And so it was just, it was better for me to pay six or $7 for a month of shutter than to pay, you know, probably like. 30 or 40 dollars to like rent some movies that i otherwise wouldn't have been able to watch yeah good so yeah good call okay uh i was curious about that okay uh what else you've been watching speaking of Uh, curiosity (laughs) yes uh so on the other end of i guess the spectrum i uh, i watched a uh, a much bigger budget and impressive uh, production quality series called guillermo del toro's cabinet of curiosities which uh, I was very excited to watch because I love me some Guillermo del Toro, uh, especially when he digs into monsters and, and ghouls and scary folk tales and things like this. So this was right up my alley. Uh, and, you know, even though he is, uh, is only producing and hosting the series, uh, he did do he did write one of the segments as well as I believe. But this is uh, a bunch of other filmmakers, uh, such as those behind the Babadook and um, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night and, and stuff like that directing a series of anthology horror shorts, all with different stories, uh, different themes and uh, and ideas. It does have, it carries over a similar aesthetic, even though they are set during time period, different time periods, uh, but they all feel like they kind of exist in the same world, so, so to speak. Um, and they're just all a lot of fun to watch. You know, there's, uh, there's a couple where, I, I, they weren't quite as engaging as I thought they would be, but you know the the talent that's there, you know, still keeps you um, in, engaged with the story. Uh, I think my favorite one is probably one called The Autopsy uh, with F. Murray Abraham. That one was was fantastic. Uh, and then I thought that the um, uh, the one starring um, oh crap, uh, Kate McCucci, uh, which is kind of like feels like it's set in like a seventies or eighties uh suburb and i'm blinking on the title do you know the title have you watched any of this i don't i haven't seen it this has been on my list um ever since i I heard about the project um but it's just one of those things where like i'm even i've been back from italy for so long now but there was such a backlog of stuff that i needed to catch up on and i'm I'm still not fully caught up on everything but i'm almost there and i feel like i'm going to be able to finally check this out soon even though halloween has already passed (laughs) yeah it's called the outside that's what it's called um that one's like a kind of a darker comedic one but uh yeah that's it's the the, just a fantastic series i hope that this is the kind of thing that like is popular enough that they can do like every other year get a bunch of different filmmakers to do stuff for guillermo del toro just because Mm -hmm. that's that would just be great <laughs> yeah i think he, i remember him signing a deal with netflix after uh he won the oscar for um the shape of water so this is probably a part of that and hopefully like an like you said successful enough to be part of like an ongoing thing but um how long are the individual episodes brad they're all around an hour okay all right it's good to know just to like 
uh, you know, <laughs> to have in the back of my head for like, I'm always like looking for slots, like, you know, when I'm done with work or done with dinner or something and I have, uh, you know, a couple hours at night, I'm like always trying to like slot in. It's this never ending like puzzle of like what I can fit into the, the time that I have. So yeah, uh, same knowing, man. yeah. Uh, okay. What else have you been checking out? Uh, I also rewatched Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Uh, and this was inspired because uh, Chris Evangelista wrote uh, an article about how great this movie is. And it had been uh, a long time since I had seen it, like probably since like my early twenties, which is yeah, around... I've never seen this. You've never seen this. Oh no. man. Mm-mm. It's this, it's so fun. It's, it's such a classic comedy and you know, it's uh it's, if you know, Abbott and Costello, you know, you know, it's, it's very slapstick. A lot, a lot of the comedy also comes from the dynamic between them. Um, you know, like, cause one of them is, uh, kind of a buffoon goofball and the other one is like the serious one who's like, Hey, I'm, you know, quit with all this nonsense. Um, so it's, th- this was a cool thing because, uh, these movies arrived at a time when like the universal monster movies were kind of like out of their heyday and not really all that, uh, you know, big successes anymore. And Abbott and Costello were also kind of in the same, uh, boat. And so they brought Abbott and Costello together to get involved with the universal, monsters franchise and it is just a a a great comedic treat Uh, and it's interesting because even though this movie is called abbott and costello meet frankenstein they also meet dracula and the wolfman (laughs) so uh so they're 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 all involved in the story um and it's funny because like you know bella lugosi was was definitely much older at this point you know than he was when he originally played dracula the first time around um but it's uh the the comedic you know dynamic between abbott and costello uh, is is fantastic here and it's just it's a lot of fun you know there's um if you like stuff like you know three stooges and things like that if you ever grew up watching those kinds of things like this is it's super enjoyable just because it has that along with the added bonus of bringing in the universal monsters and just how how they interact with each other is just a lot of fun Awesome. And then you've been catching up on some TV too? Yeah, I watched the show. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, it's called The Other Two. And it actually originated on Comedy Central before it got picked up uh, by HBO Max. Uh, and it's written by, or, and created by Chris Kelly and Shara Snyder, uh, who were both um, writers on SNL at one point. And the series follows these two uh, millennial siblings who are dealing with the fact that their 13 year old brother has just become a global sensation basically overnight. He, he turns into this Justin Bieber esque pop star uh, who all of a sudden is just being flown all, all over and doing all these press events and getting movie deals and promotional deals. Meanwhile, uh, they're both struggling um, in, in their own place in life. Uh, you have Drew Tarver playing Carrie Dubeck, who is, um, the the brother and he's an aspiring actor and he's struggling to find work and then you have uh, Helene York as Brooke who's the sister and she used to be a dancer and now she's kind of struggling trying to figure out what her career is and just seeing how like crappy their lives are as they like see their brother become uh, super famous is really funny the supporting cast is also awesome because it has Ken Marino uh, as the brothers like kind of um, goofball bro uh agent and molly shannon plays their mom uh and she gets a great um even more significant part in the second season uh when you see what happens with with her character so um it's it's just a really funny show it's comes from sharp writers it's a great satire of kind of uh the showbiz scene and fame in general and also uh, one of the other cool things about it that i was um surprised and happy to see is that uh, the character that Drew plays, Carrie Dubeck, um, he's he's gay, and there is a very prime focus on his like relationships, and they are not 
afraid to have this be like a, a cable TV relationship where he is like constantly making out with dudes and like they talk about, you know, sex, like just, you know, full on without even trying to hide it, you know? So there's, there's no like, you know, mixing words about exactly like who these characters are and how they live their lives. And I just, I love how forward uh, it was with that kind of thing, especially for, you know, a show that started off uh, being on, on cable and is now on HBO max. So uh, thankfully the show has been renewed for, a third season. However, um, if you're worried about any of the things that are happening at HBO Max, the good news is is they uh, are already shooting it, so it doesn't sound like it's going to get canned. So you've got two seasons to watch if you want to catch up, and there's at least one more season on the way. Tell that to the Batgirl folks. That, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> the idea that it's not going to be canned. But yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, I've heard really, really great things about this show, so uh, it's definitely on my list. I'm excited about um catching up with it um i guess speaking of catching up i i have been watching uh, andor and atlanta uh i'm almost caught up with both of them i think i have one or two episodes left in each and um brad i've not listened to any of the andor uh reaction like sort of spoiler discussions that you guys have done on slash home daily because i i'm just now catching up with the show uh what are you thinking about the the show so far uh i love it uh when it first started uh, I thought the first two episodes were a little slow, but then it pays off in the third episode. And as the show goes on, uh, you kind of see that you know, there's this kind of three episode arc where there's a story that unfolds across those three episodes mm-hmm. and it's kind of like sh- sectioned off. And so as the show has gone on, I've come to appreciate how patient you have to be with those first two episodes and how it sets the stage for what comes in the third episode and kind of really gets you involved in the the, the rebellion and a- Cassian Andor's story and how the Empire is, you know, we, we get to see a different side of the Empire in the, in the series and how... Um, evil it is on a different level you know it's not yeah. just about, about good guys versus bad guys it's about what the empire is doing to everyday people and how like they are oppressing the galaxy uh and so it's it's the writing is spectacular uh you know tony gilroy has brought something really new to star wars and it's uh yeah it's, I just, i've been loving every single episode and it's only getting better it feels like so incredibly vital and relevant in a way that a lot of Star Wars stuff does not. Um, yeah. It's just like, I mean, because it's almost like, it almost doesn't feel like Star Wars in that way. Like it, it feels like it's it's uh, apples and oranges to even try to compare this to something like, um, I don't know, the, the sequel trilogy or like even like The Mandalorian or something. It's just, it, it's doing a whole different thing. It has like aspirations that are on a, such, an, like an entirely different uh, playing field. And and I don't necessarily think that it's fair to say that one is better when those playing fields are so different. But for me, this is the playing field that I have been wanting Star Wars to be on for so long. So I just love it so much. Like I'm, I'm uh, completely taken with the show and and like genuinely shocked that there is a Star Wars thing that is uh, on Disney Plus that I I love this much. Like. Um, it's I'm just kind of blown away by the existence of the show. And and like you said, the writing is so fantastic and it really just like it underlines and, and sort of um, runs parallel with, you know, what's going on in our world and what has been going on in our world for the past, whatever, seven years or something where it's just like really um, well, <laughs> it's things have been going on in our world for much longer than the last seven years, but they've certainly, you know, been, been uh, sort of brought to the forefront uh, in the national consciousness in the last yeah. seven years anyway. Um, but man, it's just, it's so freaking strong. Like I, I can't get over how great the show is. So uh, I think I'm like two episodes behind so far, um, but I'm, I'm really, really loving Andor so far. And I'm, I have not like delved into the, um, the, 
I guess, the broader response to it. But I imagine based on, you know, the reaction to the sequel trilogy that there, it probably falls. Um, there's probably like a dividing line in the Star Wars fandom where people are like, no, this isn't my Star Wars. Mandalorian is kind of my Star Wars Andor's crap. And then other people who are like me who are on the exact opposite side of that. Is that a real division or just something that I'm imagining, Brad? Um, so I haven't really paid much attention to like the fan reaction so far. I've mostly been in like the echo chamber of what, you know, people on film Twitter and like in our slash film Slack and some of my other friends who are kind of like-minded as Star Wars as I am. I will say I do have one friend who um, he he's not necessarily all in on like what Star Wars has been doing in TV so far. Um, but he also isn't in love with Andor. Like he, he full on has like uh, acknowledged that it's not bad by any means. And like, he thinks that like the writing is very good and it's, it is a, by all accounts, uh, a solid show. But for him, it it's a little too far outside of what he would like to see from Star Wars. So there's like, the, it's, it's interesting hearing how some people react to it and some people, enjoy the adult aspect of it but also some people kind of like the more uh i guess you know family friendly uh scope of what star wars typically is yeah or even just like the presence of lightsabers and like some of the stuff you know the iconography that you've like associated with it i can totally understand like the fact that that stuff isn't in the show that it it could feel like there's something missing but I, i feel like you know, I'm, I'm on the side of the, this equation where like, I felt like we've been sort of force fed that stuff for so long. And it's, uh, Andor feels like such a breath, a breath of fresh air of, of like actually giving us what we've been clamoring for, for all these years, which is like them, you know, exploring new planets and new characters and like doing all these things. And it's just like shocking to me that it's happening in a, a prequel to Rogue One, which is a movie that I didn't even really love <laughs> on my first and only viewing of it. So, um, yeah, hopefully it's going to like make that movie better in in retrospect. So I'm um, excited to like finish the show in whatever a couple of years and then go back and rewatch Rogue One. So, um, OK, I, the only other couple things I wanted to mention were uh, Atlanta, which have you caught up with Atlanta, Brad? I know that you watched it in the early days. Where are you in your so, Atlanta journey? Yeah, so I uh, I caught up through season three, but I haven't watched any of season four yet. Oh man, season four is so good. Like I, I really appreciated season three. I feel like the the um, cultural conversation after like the first two seasons were like insane. Like it won you know a billion Emmys and Donald Glover was everywhere and it felt like it was like a a true phenomenon. And then season three, it felt like really quiet the conversation yeah. around the show. Um, but I I really appreciated the swings that they went for and like the way that they you know, they were sort of like hamstrung by the fact that the cast was all, almost every member of the main cast was like ultra famous and off doing a billion different things and and movies and shows and writing and making their own shows and all sorts of stuff. So they had to do a lot of like anthology episodes and like one-offs and stuff like that. And I, I liked the, um, I don't know what you'd call it, the, the allegories and the metaphors and, and all the, the sort of like big swing statements that they were trying to take uh, with those limited resources in season three. Season four brings everybody back together. And um, I just love spending time with these characters. And I think some of these episodes are like some of the strongest in the entire series. I mean, this is season four is their final uh, season. And I think they have two episodes left to air um, before the whole thing wraps up. And uh, man, I, I'm just like very, very impressed with what I've seen so far. There, there are like incredible, um, I'll, I don't want to spoil much for you, Brad, but there's, I'll just tell you the premise of one of the episodes. There was one uh, called Crank Dat Killer, which uh, the the premise of it is that there's a serial killer who's going around and murdering everyone who made 
a uh, a video in like 2007 uh, of them doing that like um, crank that soldier boy dance <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, uh, what's his name um, Paperboy like uh, reluctantly reveals that he actually did make one of those videos back then and he, he becomes like the target of this, this oh serial God, killer. So, so good. Like, it's just that kind of stuff that's like totally off the wall, but feels like so um, perfect within the world of the show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, really loving Atlanta so far. Uh, and, and I genuinely think that there's like a run, uh, including that episode where there's a whole episode that's like skewering Tyler, uh, Tyler Perry in a way that I thought was hilarious. There, there are several like, um, top tier Atlanta episodes in a row in season four. So uh, I look forward to uh, talking to you about that when you um, when you catch up with it. Awesome. Uh, and then um, the White Lotus is back. Uh, I, I really loved the first season of this show. Uh, season two has only aired one episode so far, and it's uh, an entirely new cast, a new location. They're they're um, on location in Sicily this season instead of uh, Hawaii. And Jennifer Coolidge, who plays uh, the character Tanya, is the only one who's like the the main character who's back uh, from the first season. And um, she just brings like such a delightfully insane energy to, to uh, the show. And, and my wife and I were talking about it after watching this premiere, but like, if you actually just like sort of take a step back and, and write down or, or look at, um, I guess, analytically or something like what happens subjectively, like what happens, it's not really that, um, I don't know what you would call it. Thrilling, I guess, but the, Mike White, the creator of the show, just has this way of making uh, really like seemingly mundane interactions really, really interesting, cinematic, and like uh, just compelling in a way that not a lot of other shows do. I mean, the, the first season started with a dead body, the second season starts in the same way, but it's not necessarily about, you know, like solving a murder or something like so many other shows are. This is just a show that sort of like drops you into a um, like a milieu and and just lets you soak in it and like really linger in the atmosphere. And it's all about these uh, ever shifting, slowly shifting character dynamics that are just really, really um, like kind of basic, but also just really interesting, too. So um, I'm really enjoying the show after one season or I'm sorry, after one episode. And like people like Aubrey Plaza and Haley Lou Richardson, who I love, are in uh, the, this second season. So um, very thrilled to be back in this world and uh, and yeah, checking out new adventures with these these folks. So um, White Lotus is on HBO Max if you want to check that out. Uh, let's get in. Uh, have you seen the show? Brad? No, I haven't watched it yet. It's, it's definitely on my list and uh, I've heard nothing but good things about it. You know, I, I like Mike White. I like the ensemble cast. So just need to make the time for it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay. So what have you been eating recently? All right. Well, uh, we're getting into holiday season. So now I'm on the hunt for new holiday snacks and, uh, I've already found some because Halloween is over. And even before Halloween was over, they were already starting to put Christmas stuff out there. So, uh, I'm going to start off by talking about these new Lay's sweet and salty dipped clusters. Uh, and that's Lay's as in the potato chips and the clusters are basically like, uh, little tiny balls of crunched up potato chips, that have a chocolate coating on the bottom of them. And there's like, a, there are a little bit of like tiny uh, round holiday sprinkles in red and green. Hmm. Um, and so have you ever had like chocolate covered potato chips before? Um, I think, yes, I think like one time. Uh, and, and 
I'm typically the kind of person who doesn't always appreciate the salty and sweet combo. I'm I'm mostly like, just give me something sweet. That's how I'd rather you know live my life. <laughs> um, but I remember enjoying uh, chocolate covered potato chips when I tried them. Yeah, I'm actually the same way. I'm not usually a big fan of sweet and salty. Like I don't, I'm not, I don't like sea salt caramels very much or yeah, sal- yeah, salted yeah. caramel in general, but there is something about the combination of chocolate and potato chips that I, I do enjoy. And so I was interested to try these uh, and they're very good. The, the crunch is a lot more, uh, firm than like if you were to eat a potato chip covered in, in chocolate because it's it's basically like a cluster of of you know chip crumbles essentially, uh, but they're pretty good. They're, they're it's almost like if you had like a rice krispie treat ball, but it was made up of uh, potato chips instead of rice krispie treats. So uh, mm-hmm. it's a good mix of of sweet and salty, and and because of it has that that chocolate mixed with potato chip uh, texture, I I enjoy them. So Lay's sweet and salty dip clusters, you should be able to find them any major grocery store. Uh, I also tried the uh, Keebler has a new uh, bag of fudge stripes mini cookies that are gingerbread uh, flavored. And I say flavored because it seems as if they haven't taken the fudge stripes cookie and turned it into a gingerbread cookie. I think it's just regular mini fudge stripes with like crumbles of gingerbread uh, or gingerbread seasoning on it because the cookies themselves feel like exactly the same as the fudge stripes cookies that you normally uh, have, but the gingerbread flavor is definitely there. So if you like fudge stripes cookies uh, and you mostly like gingerbread cookies, I guess, I think you'll probably like these. Okay. Um, And then I also tried, uh, there's a new, so one of my favorite chocolates uh, in general is the uh, Lindt Lindor chocolate truffles. They are like just chef's kiss. Amazing. Uh, And every holiday season, the best one, in my opinion, uh, is the mint cookie crumble one. But there's a new one that's giving it a run for this money this holiday season because they have a sugar cookie version of the Lind Lindor chocolate truffle. It's a white chocolate, and it basically tastes like uh, like a funfetti chocolate truffle. Um, <laughs> l- last year, I think I talked about this, uh, Hershey's came out with both a Hershey's sugar cookie chocolate bar and uh, Hershey's sugar cookie kisses. And this is basically the same idea, but in an even more delicious chocolate truffle form. So it is off the charts delicious. Um, they should be out on shelves with all the other lint truffles now for Christmas. It's in like a teal bag. So just, just keep an eye out for that because they are very good. And I'm, I'm sure that they're going to be pretty, pretty popular. Man, I think I've only had like the lint uh, chocolate balls. I don't think I've ever had so, the cookies the, that they make. Oh, no. So they, they, are, they aren't cookies. They are. It is a chocolate truffle, but the inside is mint chocolate with cookie oh. crumbles. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so the, and so this, this is not a sugar cookie. It is a sugar cookie flavored uh, chocolate I truffle. See. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Uh, and then what else? Uh, well, you know, Avatar The Way of the Water is coming out, and that means there's tons of cross-promotional items on the way, and one of them is a new cereal called Pandora Flakes. I guess they decided not to go with uh, any clever marketing for this, <laughs> uh, but these are Frosted Flakes uh, with a little bit of Pandora in them, because along with the normal Frosted Flakes, there are blueberry-flavored blue moons which basically look like uh, pale crunch berries, pale blue <laughs> crunch berries. Um, so I found this uh, at Target the other day, and it is, uh, they're actually really good. The, um, the blueberry pieces in them, it kind of makes it so that it's almost like a, a blueberry muffin version of Frosted Flakes in a way, which I, I like Frosted Flakes in general. And mm-hmm. uh, I always like when they do stuff like this and mix different uh, cereal pieces in there. So yeah, if you like Frosted Flakes and you want to change it up a little bit, You'll get some Pandora flakes. 
man, they were they were really struggling on that. They were trying to hit their deadline to come up with a name for that one. But. Yeah, I mean, they could have gone with Frosted Flakes, the way of the cereal. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like there's yeah. a lot of different things they could have could have done here. Yeah, have you experienced a lot of um, with all of your your eating adventures and you know being on the hunt for all this different stuff? Have you experienced a lot of uh, shrinkflation on? on the things that you've been seeking out recently you mean like as in like uh less less stuff in packaging yeah where they'll like yeah basically like charge the same amount and it's like clear that they are skimping in order for the corporations to just like rake in extra profits no what what it is it's it's just it's just uh classic inflation where they're just charging more like it's it's the same exact same like uh, amount of stuff you're getting but you're just paying more for it so okay yeah the cost of food has definitely gone up especially in the in the junk food sector yeah okay all right well i think that's going to do it for today's episode of the show you can find more about a lot of the stuff that we talked about on today's show at slashfilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode slash film daily is published every weekday bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and tv as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site you can subscribe to the show on apple google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps Uh, please subscribe to our newsletter you can send feedback questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get everything for your next project today at Menards and save big money. Right now, all stock outlets with USB ports are on sale. Ditch the need for bulky USB adapters. Upgrade your home with features like ultra-fast charging, allowing you to charge your smart devices up to 40% faster than standard USB outlets. Also, view our weekly flyer on Menards.com and check out all the great deals happening this week. Save big money at Menards.